Welcome to episode 140 of the Grip Strip Podcast, the Pandora's Box Part 2 edition of the Grip Strip Podcast. My name is Philip Matthew. I'm your host, and I'm with my co-host, Joshua Fine. What's going on, man? Yeah, I'm doing good. Uh, Midweek, second podcast, uh, since we need to follow up and everything. But, you know, uh, start off, you know, Bubba Wallace suspended for one race. That's the penalty after what we talked about on Monday. And, yeah, it's... uh, not surprising and you know not uh you know not going to argue with it but you know it's a new standard for sure yeah it's the typical with nascar consistently inconsistent and selective enforcement when you had people doing that for years and they haven't suspended them um outside of matt kenseth uh years ago which was deliberate and he slowed down and did all that but we'll get into that um, talk about any other news. John Hunter Nemechek will be driving the 45 car this weekend. So now two substitute drivers for 2311 this weekend. Uh, the Dixie Vodka 400 will get into the roundup, which includes MotoGP and Moto2 at Phillip Island last week. We'll get into the Fall Nationals in Dallas NHRA, where Tony was, because he didn't really want to be the cup race, while Gene Haas was opening his big trap and telling us about how everybody else is leaving the team, like Kevin Harvick, and he wants to continue having Cole Custer driving around in the middle of nowhere. Uh, We'll review Rally Spain for the WRC and World Superbikes in Argentina. We'll give NFL review from week six give week seven thoughts since we'll be talking uh, about the saints playing tomorrow niners will be playing against kermit the frog um jaguars looking to bounce back this this weekend um after a loss to indianapolis we'll get on all that in our fantasy teams we'll preview the u.s grand prix formula one at uh coda make uh preview picks and all that and then we will uh what's it called we will do josh's sim segment of course because we didn't get to do that on monday and uh we'll close the deal so yeah bubba wallace one race suspension uh, for his uh, incident with with uh kyle larson um as josh said it's somewhat unprecedented in that they haven't really made um those kind of decisions in terms of those actions kind of actions you could tell basically the way that freddie was handling the situation on dbc that he didn't want to say anything uh wasn't trying to put words in anybody's mind or trying to do anything that's one of his closest friends it's like a little brother to him and he knew bubba went over the line but he couldn't say it uh, but you know, you know, blocking Brett and uh, um, what am I forgetting? TJ basically said it for them. No, no Casey Boat either on that show. So they had the other producer guy there. But I mean, they needed to do something. But the reality is, they should have been doing something a long time ago. Uh, you know, Noah Gregson intentionally wrecked uh, Sage Karam on the back straight at Road America in the summer. They did nothing. They just gave him a fine in points. Um, that's why we were thinking is be fine in points when we did a pre-show um or on the show a couple days ago uh, but instead you know they decided to do the suspension because of the i guess the severity the notion of you know this next gen car the speed any number of you know any number of machinations they wanted to come up with and also probably to to please the lcd base for which they seemingly are desperate for um who hate bubba for crap that has nothing to do with him but because he's black um i mean the the fact is fine i get it 
It's they they're trying to make it. Do I really believe that that's going to change anything? No, because I don't think they're going to continue with this type of penalty um, as we go along. I don't think they're going to consistently keep this penalty uh, call. Um, there should be a combination of everything. It should be, you should get fined a decent amount of money. You should lose a, a ton of points and you should miss at least one race, if not more. If you're, if you're willing to use your car as a weapon, that should be, and it doesn't matter whether it's Darrell Walsh Jr., if it's Chase Briscoe, if it's Kyle Effing Bush or Kyle Larson, you can't, you shouldn't use your car as a weapon period. But NASCAR also has to understand that they need to police this. If they're not, if that's the way that they're going to police themselves, then you need to step in. You need to talk to these drivers, number one, and they have to respect what you're saying. But in number two, you have to set the tone and say, if you do this, if this is going to be the only time, because the next time you're done, you know, Carl Edwards made a career out of running over people. And, you know, Denny Hamlin's ran into people and cry wolf when anybody races him hard. You know, the everyone gives shit to uh, Brad Keselowski and Joey Logano. Joey Logano got junked by Matt Kenseth, most famously. And that's more people know Matt Kenseth for that than his Hall of Fame career. And that literally ended his career was junking Joey Logano. And the fact is, that was in 2015. Joey Logano's still going, and he ain't going to be stopping anytime soon. And he still drives aggressively. People want to get mad about it, but they don't know how to handle it because nobody wants to throw fists. The fact is, Bubba was bitch-slapping or whatever the hell he was doing, Kyle Larson, because Kyle Larson's a bitch. And all of his friends that are on the sprint cars and midget and all that side... credit to them they're great race car drivers they all have their little deal but they all you know the dog whistles and everything notwithstanding we know where they come from and their kinfolk and all that we know how how all of them kind of think we know what kind of certain instances or events that have taken place that they probably weren't so um against either but long story short bubba had they're gonna make an example out of him for the lcd and for the fact that i think i think as much as anything josh the lack of contrition that he had in that interview really played a a big part in that i think also the aggressiveness and also running down the track looking to basically have physical a physical altercation those two things as much as you know you can't cop to doing something intentionally or else it'd be even worse but um they have smt data they have all that other stuff there if you're if you if that tells them one thing he can't deny it i don't and they're not showing it to us so obviously there wasn't there might have been a broken part but we don't know. We haven't heard anything about the um, forensics on the car in terms of what happened to it, if anything happened to it. Um, we also really won't know because they junked both. He junked both of their cars. Um, but I guess we, yeah, you said it. You're setting a different precedent here with this call. But I personally, I don't buy that it's going to stand. I don't think it's something that they're going to continue with um, because it's NASCAR. Uh, they don't know how to officiate consistently they never have and they never will if it's a hendrick motor if if kyle larson does the same thing to bubba walsh they wouldn't suspend it. that's that's the way i if he did the same exact thing they wouldn't suspend it. if chase elliott did that to anybody wouldn't suspend it. william byron can run over a driver under yellow nothing alex bowman may is running right rear bubba walls and more people are mad that bubba walls got mad and went and nailed him in the face with water than the fact that 
you know, Alex Bowman junk try to junk bubble walls, you know, like that, that's the thing. It's a different, it's a, it's selective enforcement, but you know, it's typical, I guess. But what were your thoughts after you heard about the penalty and um, next steps, I guess, for 2311 um, getting to, what is it, Martinsville the following week when Bubba has to return um, after his one race suspension and everything? Yeah, I mean, you said a lot there, but, um, you know, I think, first of all, I mean, I said earlier on Monday night, you know, I thought maybe a points penalty and a fine, a, a money fine would would suffice uh you know something heavy you know like a hundred points or um a hundred thousand dollars or something like that uh would probably be good enough for something but you know they decided to just go with the suspension and, you know kind of surprised they didn't attach money to it and points and even owner points because the whole reason why bubba's in the 45 is to take advantage of the uh unique situation that they were in with um kurt bush being out and still being eligible for the playoffs uh from the owner's side uh, so, you know, it's a interesting deal there, but, uh, you know, should have, um, I mean, they could have, but they, you know, they didn't maybe one race, uh, suspension is good enough, uh, for them, but, um, you know, uh, not, not surprised and not going to disagree, uh, or, you know, argue against, uh, you know, suspending him. Um, you know, I feel like there is enough there to do it if they wanted to, but just on, you know, like we said earlier, based on past penalties um uh didn't see or didn't think that they would actually do it but you know now they did and it's a new standard like i said earlier um and now i guess if driver tries to junk another driver again like that on an oval i think there's a difference here you know you talked about alex on bubba wallace i mean that was coming out of the chicane at the charlotte roval and uh bubba you know still finished the race he wasn't junked so um, but I guess the idea of right rearing or even left rearing a guy, um, I guess you have to figure out a way to penalize that. Uh, um, but um, maybe, you know, penal, I don't know, for, for a situation like what happened three years ago. But, you know, um, this, you know, is pretty, pretty major. And, you know, all the factors uh, coinciding and everything, I guess they felt like it's a, that's what it is. And now going forward, you know, if another guy does the, same type of move. Are they going to do it again? We'll see. Um, or maybe this is the warning shot. You know, um, obviously they've laid they've you know laid it out on the table what's going to or what they're going to do in that situation. And so I don't know. Maybe a driver decides not to do it uh, on this level. We'll see. Um, but I mean, you talk about uh, having no control over it. I mean, go back all the way back to 2010, like you said with Carl Edwards. Um, and I mean, the first the first opportunity was when Carl Edwards. Uh, put you know Keselowski in the fence, and then the second opportunity to you know reel things back in was uh, when he right reared him coming to the line at Gateway back in 2010. So those are the first two incidents that come uh, come to mind. And you know I think um you know they didn't do it to Jeff Gordon when he did it to Clint Boyer in 2012. You know they put him on probation or whatever it's called. Uh, and then you know like obviously the only time that they really did anything was with Matt Kenseth and because he slowed down and junked the leader Joey Logano, um, so um, that was the only time they did it. And uh, of course Kyle Busch 2011 uh, with uh, Ron Horner Day, but um, some of it is case by case. It looks like, but um, at some point you know they have to have a, a baseline by which to go by. And so if this is the new the new baseline, then uh, that's that's how it's got to be. So, 
uh, you know, we'll, we'll see, um, what drivers try. I mean, obviously Danny Hamlin, Ross Chastain still have their, uh, issues and, you know, I don't feel like that's completely unresolved. So, um, or completely resolved. So, you know, we'll, we'll see if, uh, they get into it later as, you know, of course we have Martinsville and then the championship coming up where, uh, and even Homestead where that could get affected. So, um, yeah, it's just, I mean, yeah, it's just more of NASCAR, you know, being inconsistent leading up to this point, I guess. And now, now they have a new opportunity now to be a little bit more consistent than, uh, what they've, uh, what they've been. So, um, we'll see, we'll see what it is going forward, but yeah, it's a now unique situation where, uh, 2311 basically resorting to a team full of backup drivers for a weekend, uh, which is rather unique situation and haven't really seen that in a long time. And, you know, me and Joe were talking about this the other night, but, uh, it does bring into the fact that the depth chart for Toyota is rather, uh, weak, I guess, you know, there's not a whole lot of depth there. Um, beyond John Hunter Nemechek and, uh, you know, Toyota has to, uh, I guess, figure out a way to establish a new pipeline. Uh, you know, now that Kyle Busch Motorsports, you know, likely going to be leaving Toyota since Kyle Busch is going to RCR. So, uh, they have to figure out a way to, uh, have a new pipeline where, you know, they can, uh, have drivers that can come up into the cup series and grow into it from Xfinity and from trucks. So, you know, we'll see, we'll see what they, uh, end up doing there, but, you know, now John Hunter Nemechek has a opportunity to, uh, drive at Homestead. You know, he's basically going to have two races, uh, you know, to prepare for now. And, uh, you know, it's another opportunity. Obviously he was in cup in 2020 and did okay. Uh, you know, wasn't too impressive, uh, in his results and ended up losing that ride. Uh, so now he gets a chance. Well, he left actually. Well, he, he left, left yeah. on his own, yeah. Okay, yeah. But still, I mean, if he was more successful, you know, he probably would have stayed. So True. Um, now he has a chance and better, way better equipment to audition, you know, potentially uh, down, you know, for either a better Xfinity ride or, you know, a full-time ride in Xfinity or even possibly um, some more opportunities down the line in Cup next year in 2024. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what, how he's able to do this weekend, but, um, I guess now Bubba Wallace has a opportunity to go out and, you know, reflect and, uh, figure things out, uh, and come back, uh, at Martinsville. So, um, you know, tough, tough penalty and, you know, ho- hopefully, uh, everybody can, um, you know, move on from it. Yeah. I'm not sure in terms, I, it, it's, I'm curious to see how it goes for him. Uh, you know that, well, there's segments, I mean, there's media outlets that don't cover the sport, shouldn't be covering the sport, inserting their two cents in, inciting this deal. Um, I saw a TikTok, my buddy Brendan sent it to me from a guy who's been a fan for 30 years, just like I have, or 30, and it's like people who are on either side of the aisle, you don't know anything about the sport or you're trying to make it about race or no, here's, here's the reality. Kyle Larson ran him hard the way he runs most everybody. He lost talent. Uh, I mean, I'm not a big fan of, of Brett Griffin, but their show is pretty good. He said it, he had a lapse in, in talent and he just didn't, he didn't cover, get out of the corner there in the end. Yeah. Bubba got in the wall. But do we really know for sure if he sustained enough damage for it to be uh, end of the race? I don't know. And we never will know because every in every piece that happened after that was done by 
Bubba to Larson, and in turn, you also took out Chris Bell, which is uh, which was collateral damage and could cost Chris Bell a chance to make the final four, uh, which would be even worse in terms of the Toyota situation. But for for Daryl, he has a week to think about things. He's done. He's won at Homestead before, so it's a lost opportunity. Um, considering their one and a half mile package is really good at the Toyota teams you go to martinsville which is one of his best racetracks but they struggled i think in the spring a little bit but now it's now the microscope which has always been on which has been on him for a few years is going to be on him even more and everything he does is going to be even more uh, scrutinized after that um we'll see how he handles it uh, i hope that he's with you know his fiance and his mom and his you know his sister and the people that support him uh, the 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 friends that he has you know and he's able to kind of compartmentalize it and understand that this doesn't have to define your career uh, but you have to learn from it and in his case more than a lot of other people um, his actions are going to be um, considered more egregious or more even though they may not be they may be the same as other people like what Carl Edwards used to do or insert Joe Gibbs racing driver or insert Hendrick Motorsports driver but they're going to judge it different so we'll see what happens with that um, as we go along a uh, couple other penalties uh, the 18 car at a left front tire come off late in the race so that means Ben Bayshore, who we are not sure if he's going to be the crew chief of the 18 car when Ty Gibbs takes over next year, to be honest. So he he's suspended along with the tire changer and carrier uh, until the clash. So um, goodbye to those guys for the rest of this year. Um, in terms of how that affects the 18 car, does it really matter because Kyle's on the way out? Uh, I don't think they're going to call Chris Gale because he's involved with uh, Ty Gibbs, who of Chris Gale got fined, lug nuts loose on the 54. There was a penalty for Mark Setzer in the 51 for affecting changes to the body. Uh, so that's 40 points, owner and driver. So they got penalized earlier in, in after Daytona for issues. So I guess now retroactively, they're trying to get penalties on them. So can that's convenient. Uh, there's that. So... Um, other news that came out after we did our first show uh, was Ty Dillon was announced to drive full time for Spire in the 77. So his he's got he's like a cat. He has more than nine lives. I didn't know having a hot wife could get you multiple Cup Series rides, but in Ty Dillon's case, it definitely has. Um, also, NASCAR talking about a wet weather package for short tracks. I mean, maybe they should make a short track package that's actually good instead of worrying about running in a wet weather package. But that's just me um, going through some of the Xfinity. Yeah, Junior Motorsports, of course, they announced that uh that uh josh barry, josh barry would be back next yep thanks he, yeah. he'll be back next year and they've got they a huge will... back problem <laughs> yeah i got a huge back problem that was funny and then uh he's got tire pros is going to be the first of the sponsors that will be back with him i'm sure a lot of the other people that have been with him this year will re-up 
and he will be uh, somebody that would look at as a favorite, even with some of the new people that are coming in to the series next year. Um, the Tory Racing is going to move on from Chase Purdy, but they'll keep Ankrum. So there'll be a second new second driver there if they keep two trucks. Who knows? That's that's to be determined since Toyota's situation is kind of in flux. I know their DGR is going to run Toyotas again, but it's curious to see how that'll all go. Um, all right. So that's it for the, the NASCAR news. Um, trying to go through some of these um, other force indie to back francis back change oh wow so they're changing this singapore track oh wow that's good they're gonna so they're gonna cut 20 seconds out of the left that might be even better Um, we'll go through some of that here shortly we'll get into um we'll get into the uh, gsp roundup we'll start with moto gp which uh ran at Phillip Island last week. The results of the Australian Grand Prix saw Alex Rins win for Suzuki by just under two tenths of a second, uh, 18 hundredths of a second over Mark Marquez, who got uh, his first podium since his latest surgery. Paco Bagnaia was leading on the final lap, but got passed by both of those guys, uh, led a train of Ducatis and fellow Italians in the process. One, two, three, four of them. Uh, in terms of Italians, and then there was was a three, four, five, six Ducatis: Bagnaia, Basecki, Bastaini, Marini, Martin, Zarco, uh, all Ducatis, all up there. Alicia Spargo finished ninth. Brad Binder tenth. You know, the people that crashed: the Jack Miller, the home favorite, crashed uh, in uh, what is it, lap eight, uh, with Alex Marquez. And then uh, Fabio Quattararo, the points leader, defending world champion, crashed on lap 10. Franco Morbidelli had a mechanical retirement, though both uh, Monster Energy Yamahas did not finish the race. Joanne Mir, the former world champion on the Suzuki, finished 18th. So just kind of crazy. Rins qualified 10th and won. His teammate was nowhere. Uh, The points going to... Malaysia this weekend. Uh, right now, Peko Bagnaia has a 14 point lead on Fabio Quattararo. Two consecutive races and three out of the last four, Fabio Quattararo has not scored points. And now all of a sudden, he's on the back foot. Alicia Spargo is 27 points back and uh Enea Bastaini is 33 is 42 points back in fourth I would ass- that's essentially the people because there's only 50 points if you win um for the next two races there's only two races to go in the championship so those are four guys are the last four that are left with a possibility to win the world championship really it's only three uh, and depending on what happens at Malaysia it could be two uh, Teams championship. It basically Ducati has won it. They're seventy. Yeah, they're they've won it. Um, seventy two, eighty four up. And I mean, the if they get eighty, the forty five, forty five. So essentially, they have to score what like eight eight points or some somewhere around there. My math probably a little rough, but uh, this next two races over Aprilia, and they will um. Be the team's champions. Ducati already won constructors, so I don't have to worry about it. We'll talk about it next week on episode 141, what happens there. Uh, Moto2 at at Phillip Island uh, saw 
a little different result in regards to uh, the uh, top of the table. And Alonzo Lopez gets the victory uh, on a Boscuscuro um, chassis, usually the Calyx, which is a vast majority of the field, sands four bikes, including two of the top four. Um, Aldeguer's, his teammate, finished fourth. Uh, Pedro Acosta second, Jake Dixon third, Manuel Gonzalez rounds out the top five, Cameron Bobier finished seventh, uh, was it Sean Dillon Kelly was the last finisher, Joe Roberts had a mechanical issue with a couple laps to go, probably was going to have a chance to score some points there. Uh, Gusa Fernandez, Celestino Vietti, both uh, crashed. I'm going to go through here. Arbolino, Jorge Navarro, Simona Corsi, Della Porta, all guys who fell out of that race. The standings, two races to go. See, sees Ayagura uh, leading the world championship by four over Augusto Fernandez. Aaron Kinnett is the only other rider that has a chance he's 47 points back so um he needs to have a miracle run win the next two races and needs a little bit of help and for him to possibly win the world championship Augusto fernandez knows no matter what happens he's going to moto gp ayagura there was thoughts he might go but he's not going to though he would end up sticking around next year um in terms of the americans joe roberts is in ninth cameron bobier is in 15th. Uh, Roberts is seven points behind Alonzo Lopez and uh, was it 16 behind Jake Dixon, 18 behind Pedro Acosta. So possibility of getting with some with some help um, and some good runs to get up further into this championship. Uh, doubt he's going to get all the way up to the top five, but maybe get another place, uh, maybe one or two more places uh, this year. Uh, and see what happens with him next year in Moto2. Sean Dillon Kelly, uh, 26th in points. The So we got through that. So let's go to NHRA, the Fall Nationals. And, um, and let's go to that. The winners at the Fall Nationals, Texas Motorplex in Dallas. Why is this not? What the heck? All right, so they're not showing that anymore. Uh, top here, Barry. Why is this? Of course, they get rid of this after I go in. Um, there you go. That's what I need. <sighs> ah, no. We have um, in top fuel. Saw Justin Ashley get the victory over uh, Austin Proc in top fuel. Uh, at Justin Ashley now has an 82 point lead with two races to go. Uh, fifth win of the season, um, seventh overall for his career. Then, um, and the yeah, and awesome pro qualified number one. Usually, his teammates, the one that qualifies number one, and Ashley or Brittany Force, but good run by him and his team. Ron Caps and Matt Hagen were the final in funny car. Tony Stewart was there, of course. Ron Caps gets the victory, uh, number seventy three of his career. Number five of 2022, 10 points back of Robert Height in regards to trying to win another, win his third championship. Eric Enders gets the victory, uh, her ninth of the season, career high, 42nd of her career, beating Greg Anderson. So big wins for her. The standings going, or there's Pro Stock Motorcycle too, isn't there? Or am I forgetting? And then you have the, and Jerry, what is it? What's it called? Hector Rana Jr. 
goes and wins uh, over is gets a 16th win, first win of the year, uh, final over Jerry Savoie. First time in three years for Hector Arana Jr. getting a victory. So big deal for him. And uh, doesn't really affect the points that much because he's not a full-time competitor. We'll get into the points here. As I mentioned, 82-point lead for Justin Ashley over Brittany Force, 84 on Antron Brown, 96 on Steve Torrance, 118 on Mike Salinas. They do have points and a half at, at Pom- Pomona in the last race of the year, but you'd venture to say that really there's four there's four riot, four drivers that are still in the mix uh, in top fuel. In Funny Car, it's 10 points between Robert Height and Ron Caps. Matt Hagen's 78 back. So really it's three drivers there. John Force is in fourth. And um, Pro Stock is pretty much, I think we're pretty certain that Eric Enders going to win it she's already got 165 point lead on Aaron Stanfield nearly 200 on Greg Anderson Uh, so outside of an absolute you know atom bomb going through the elite motorsports team or like Warren Johnson going and destroying their engines the way they did or whoever did to the Wayne County speed shop uh, that that would mean they're Eric Anderson win that championship in pro stock motorcycle Matt Smith is 51 points ahead of Joey Gladstone and every Everyone after that's 100 points back, so it's over four rounds, and so that that'll be tough. Need a need a record or need some other stuff to happen for that to turn around. So NHRA, we're done with that. We'll get to Rally Spain. Obviously, uh, Cali Rovampera has won the World Rally Championship, so it's more about can he go and um, add to that. You got other things going on. I mean. Otanic is still looking whether he's going to stay at Hyundai or if he's going to go elsewhere. Um, Thierry Neuville's third in in the driver's standings. The points after that are, I mean, it's pretty set. The top, all, I mean, the the next real battle is Lappy, who, and yeah, that's not really a battle because none of them run full time. Yeah, so there really isn't anything intriguing in terms of the drivers at this point. Um, the team's championship, Toyota, has uh, a near 81 point lead. Yeah, so yeah, 81 point lead on Hyundai. So points are basically uh, straightforward at this point. Can Rovampera add to his uh, year? He's already won three, six, six rounds. He's won. So can he add a couple more to his championship winning season? Or can either Newville or Rovum or Tanek, who has won three times this year, when he finished and he's had, what is it, another couple of runner-ups in that and a couple third places. Rovum Perra has finished every race, this every round this year of the world championship. Uh, one was way back in Germany, but otherwise he's been in the top five. That's or that and you he had two outside the top five, my fault. Um so we'll see what happens with uh the WRC. Uh World Superbikes will be in Argentina this weekend. And for for them they have uh, so I have some new news in terms of super can okay so probably stuff with the bikes and being absolute crap. Um let's see yeah we got three rounds to go. Standings going into the uh, race uh, in uh, Argentina, Alvaro Batista 
56 point lead on Toprak, Raskat, Lioku. Uh, Johnny Ray is, you know, what is it, 34, 82, or yeah, 82 points behind in third. So, uh, gonna be tough for him to win the championship from there. Gonna need to do really, really well. There's nine total races left within the three rounds. So, something could go crazy. But, uh, when, when Alvaro Bautista is doing well, he usually scores a lot of points. He's only had two rounds under 50 points this year. You know, it was Britain and France. Otherwise, he's been over 50 points in every round. Um, Toprak Raskad Lioku gave up a lot of points early in the season. And in recent rounds, three of the last five, he's been in that mix. Um, Johnny Ray had that early in the season, over 50 points scoring, and others in the 40s, but otherwise has struggled a little bit. Garrett Gerloff is an 11, 10 points out. Of the top 10, that's essentially the aim. Xavi Vieja on the factory Honda. It would be hard for him to do more than that uh, based on the performance this year. Um, Jake Gagne said that he's not going to, and that him and the team are not going to move to uh, World Superbikes after the wildcard performance they had in Portugal. So we will see him in uh, in uh, Moto America still. So that's it for this week's roundup. Um, next week we'll talk about MotoGP, the World World Rally Championship, World Superbikes. We'll also talk about Supercars at Surfers Paradise and the World Supercross Australian Grand Prix, uh, which uh, Ralph Shaheen will be announcing. And um, there's that. So let's uh, talk about football, Josh. I'll give you the floor here. Um, Jaguars tough loss in Indianapolis. Uh, Matt Ryan brought it back old school, uh, throwing for nearly 400 yards to anybody and everybody on the Indianapolis Colts. Running game was pretty solid too. If you picked that, picked up that their third string running back. I had him in one of my leagues and I let him go and now instantly regret it. Uh, but yeah, what, what, what are your thoughts on uh, your weekend and how you did on the fantasy um, football side as well? Yeah, I mean, starting off with the Jaguars, um, you know, they should have won that game. You know, it's another loss that they uh, should have won. Uh, you know, they're up 14-3. to three. You know, Jamichael Lacey, 61-yard uh, touchdown run. Uh, just, you know, completely ran away from the defense. Uh, you know, a lot of momentum. Uh, Travis Etienne had a huge... Uh, you know, chunk runs throughout the game. Um, they had 286 um, yards rushing, three rushing touchdowns. Um, I mean, granted, a lot of the 286 was chunk plays from Hasey and, and Etienne. Um, but still, you know, they had an 18-play drive in the fourth quarter that went for like 10 minutes, and, you know, they were able to uh, get a touchdown late in the game. Uh, and throughout, you know, throughout that game, the Jaguars uh, could not cover the middle of the field for whatever reason they they had a couple of plays where they were able to stop the middle of the field but um they couldn't stop it consistently and they couldn't stop in the situations that they needed to stop it in uh and that led you know helped the Colts get down the field and um then you know Shaq Griffin couldn't cover uh and that led to the game winning touchdown for the Colts so um yeah at least at least uh, it wasn't a you know blowout loss or anything like that but you know again they lost in it uh important divisional matchup um so you know now they're two games behind in the division and they're two and four right now and they probably could be at least four and two or even five and one or you know even six and oh right now to be honest looking at the way the scores went um 
but you know it is what it is and we'll just have to move on and you know, hopefully hopefully they can beat the new york giants um and the odds are favoring the jaguars right now i believe but I think and i think it's because the you know vegas looks like they favor the jaguars um how how they've played over how the uh the giants have played you know on a statistical level and um matchup level but you know we, we'll see what happens um you know they they had trouble stopping the run uh at certain times you know with uh the uh Philadelphia Eagles and even against the Houston Texans they had some issues stopping the run uh and they've had some players out that uh couldn't stop the run either um or you know that were better at stopping the run uh Kasi, um and uh I think even uh Luikin's a little bit injured too so We'll we'll see how they can uh, stop the run with uh, Saquon Barkley kind of carrying the Giants right now. Daniel Jones kind of being the game manager. Um, Kayon, Kayvon Thibodeau for the Giants. Uh, I don't know how impressive he's been, but certainly he's going to be a focus on the deep um, offense for the Jaguars. The game on Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, he's going to be an impact player. Uh, that they're gonna have to look out for when the Jaguars are on offense and game plan for. Uh, so you know we'll see. And you know for the Jaguars, you know clearly you know they need to have a big. They failed to get a big receiver in the off season. You know they signed Christian Kirk, but you know Kirk is more of a uh, slot receiver and um, someone you have to kind of scheme to get open. Uh, I still you know still think that he's you know worth the money, but uh, you know he's a more of a complimentary piece. Um, than he is the focal uh, point, um, you know, on a relative scale. Uh, they got Say Jones, uh, you know, and they have Marvin Jones, but you know they lack that, you know, big uh, receiver that can change the game in the end zone. That's why kind of the reason why they've had issues in the red zone is because they don't have a big number one receiver, um, and they they need a big number one receiver um, that can really you know stretch the field uh, and make use of the sideline. And uh, go up and you know type of receiver that can you know kind of go up and get it, uh, and kind of disappointing considering the capital that they spent on you know wide receiver in the off season, uh, and then also tight end as well and kind of that department. But you know we'll move on from this. Um, you know at least in all the losses that they've lost so far, you know it hasn't been a, a blowout loss. Uh, the worst loss is eight points, and that was to the Eagles in the rain. So um, you know there'll be a lot of close games this season and. You know, maybe as the year goes on, they'll turn some of these wins or some of these losses into wins. So we'll, we'll see how it goes from there. Uh, you know, Trevor had an extremely efficient game and definitely, you know, finally responded to, you know, having a, a game where he was down by more than a field goal uh, and needed to go get a touchdown. And he was able to finally do it, but just um, ended up being on the wrong side of that. So, uh Hopefully, you know, they can do it this weekend against the Giants. Um, you know, as far as fantasy goes, uh, kind of scratched and clawed my way to a win this week. Uh, did not have the best game. Uh, pieced together, uh, you know, team of backups. Uh, had a lot of starters on the uh, bench this week because of their bye weeks. But, you know, barely beat, um, I forgot his name, but coolest loser. Barely beat him by 20 points. Uh, and, you know, he had some issues on his own with, um, you know, the Monday night game with uh, Cortland Sutton and um, 
and uh, Melvin Gordon, but uh, managed to pull out the win. So move on uh, to four and two. Uh, but of course, I think of you know the four and two teams definitely on the the end of that because I don't have the uh, most points scored of that group. So uh, gotta pick up the points. And this week facing Mister or Professor J. So. Uh, projected win right now against him, and now I got all my starters back and picked up uh, Jonathan Allen from the Washington Commanders. So uh, should be a good good pickup there. Uh, he's been pretty good as defensive tackle and uh, pretty impact, you know, pretty full, you know, impactful player. So uh, we'll we'll see uh, this weekend. You know, hopefully that uh, works out to be a good move. Um, but yeah, uh, this week, uh, you know kind of a struggle in terms of fantasy and you know football was encouraging but you know ended up with another disappointing loss but you know we'll move on and you know not not get too down about it yeah for me fantasy was definitely not pretty um i'm trying to go I'll go back in i know i lost to wilson but that one was uh basically determined in terms of he scored and i mean to be honest i didn't i didn't do bad i I was I lost by less than ten points, and he had some huge he had some huge scoring uh, last week. So, uh, um, yeah, oh man, why are you Ugh. Yeah, his projection was to score over two hundred points. I mean, his having Jamar Chase basically canceled out my having Joe Burrow. I have Stefan Diggs, but he has he had great running back productivity from Alvin Kamara and Brees Hall. Uh, I did, of course, have Trevor Lawrence, but uh, that didn't help as much as it could have because in an IDPs, I have Devin Lloyd from Josh's Jaguars, um, Cameron Jordan. I can't seem to pick the right defensive lineman. Eddie Jackson did all right on Thursday night in that shit show between the Bears and the Commanders. Um, I left Brian Robinson on the bench, so he has Wilson as a loaded team so we'll see what happens this week i'm playing steve island irrelevancy he has kermit the frog um amongst others he has austin eckler uh pitts deandre swift supposedly is coming back a a ron um minka fitzpatrick um dietrich wise didn't get put in okay um yeah i have stefan diggs on the bye which doesn't help so i'm hoping i'm on ross st brown actually comes back this week he's not on the injury report so i guess that means he is back joe mixon is in there um my running backs are not great after joe mixon i probably should have made that eckler deal uh, and i traded him to steve ls um so We'll see what happens with that. I'm sixth in the league right now, not where I really want to be, but it's we still got about half. They we're not even through the first half of the regular season. In my other, in the other league, um, running really bad. I because it's just a kind of a shitty setup. I've had a lot of injuries. Um, I get Dak Prescott back this week, so I'm putting him back in the lineup. I have Chris Olave back, so I'll be playing him on Thursday night. And uh, Damian Pierce was on the bye last week, so he's back, so that's good. Um, it's kind of a shit league, whatever. I'm hoping Jacksonville's defense shows up against the Giants and does something. We'll see what happens with that. And then in my sleeper league, we're 8th out of 12 in that one. We've never really had luck in it last year or this year, um, which is part of the reason why I needed to get Vic in on it. Uh, 
for playing the first place team and giving up uh, what amounts to 50, what is it, 25 points? Yeah, 25 points in the projection, largely due to, I think, wide receivers. Tight end, yeah, because tight end were giving up points there. Um, flex, we're also giving up points there. Uh, we also have Michael Thomas out, but we're getting back, supposedly getting back Jonathan Taylor. So we'll see if then we kept him. He was one of our keepers. We kept Jonathan Taylor. We kept Trevor Lawrence. And I'm trying to remember who our other keeper was of that list here, because I know those are two. It was Trevor Lawrence. It was, oh, it was Debo. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so it was Jonathan Taylor, Debo, and Trevor Lawrence were our keepers. So we'll see what happens with that. Niners lost, lost more people due to the injury. Atlanta ran all over us like they didn't have a defense. Nick Bosa wasn't in. When Nick Bosa isn't playing, the I guess uh, the Niners' defense is kind of ordinary, which is crazy to think. But you know they can't. They the the Atlanta Falcons. It looked like Marcus Mariota was running his old Oregon offense back in the day when he won a Heisman Trophy. Um, Niners had a lot of mistakes, drops. Jeff Wilson fumbled, and um, that caused uh they've returned it for a touchdown so that was essentially the beginning of the end jimmy actually didn't have a bad game but when you're dropping balls you got people dropping wide open passes he missed a couple of, uh, passes there to george he pissed he pissed missed one to george kittle and um you know defense couldn't stop anything couldn't stop the run couldn't stop the pass and do diddly poo offensively I'm i'm about to do the whole jim mora bit from back in 96 we couldn't do diddly poo offensively couldn't make a first down we couldn't run the ball we didn't try to run the ball couldn't st- th- we sucked we stunk well they did we need those type of coaching grants back that was yeah. when coaching grants were entertaining now now it's not quite like that <laughs> none of them do that anymore there there really isn't i mean jim mora had that rant and then the play playoffs rant which uh, the point is that the reason people don't do that is because that usually is a sign that leads to the f- eventual firing when dennis green went and said they're gonna crown him then crown her ass he got fired soon after um that's part of it the only one that's had the rant that didn't get fired and ended up still doing pretty well was herm when we we play to win the game that one he didn't get fired hello but now he got fired. They didn't even. They gave him a freaking. When he got fired from Arizona State, they gave him a coach ticket to leave, which is pretty effed up. But that's beside the point. Niners get the gift of playing Kermit the Frog and um, Travis Kelsey this weekend after they played in the game of the year uh, against the Buffalo Bills, um, and they're going to be looking for another win. Uh, Mahomes is two and zero against the Niners. Uh, the first game they played him was when Jimmy G blew his knee out years ago i think and then we know the second one and that'll still give me nightmares uh, until the niners ever win a super bowl but um so we'll see what happens they're three and three leading the nfc west even with uh the lack of some of the issues that they've had this year and uh you know that's really it shows how wide open the league is and then i would also say that you know, the AFC is a stronger conference. So if they can get through, you know, I think that's if they can keep going 
then um, and kind of fade some in more injuries, kind of fade some of these injuries. I think they have a chance to win the division. What that'll mean overall to be determined. I'm not really sure what that'll lead to, but you know, win the division, you'll get to the playoffs. Hopefully you have a decent chance um, in the NFC. Now, whether you're going to beat the bills or the chiefs or insert team here, um, that's a lot to ask. So we'll see about that. Okay. Yankees are, are tied at one game. One of the ALCS bottom five runners on uh, first and second with one out. And they've brought, Schmidt in. They pulled Jamison Talion uh, out of the game. So not a bad game for him. Not bad pitching performance, but it's going to become a bullpen deal here. Try to get us out of this jam, trying to get to Justin Verlander. Okay. So Formula One U.S. Grand Prix uh, at Coda and uh, was well, uh, well subscribed, a full crowd the whole entire weekend at Circuit of the Americas last year, first time having the U.S. Grand Prix in a long time, uh, pre-pandemic or whatever. And it's a track that over the years has been great to Lewis Hamilton. And, um, but in general, we go through recent years. Um, yeah, Lewis Hamilton has won there four times, but ha- or five times, but has not won there since 2017. Uh, Fish Lips won there last year. Uh, prior to that, it was two Finns in uh, Kimi Raikkonen and Valtteri Botas. Uh, Sebastian Vettel won there in 2013 on his way to his fourth consecutive world championship. So, um, yeah, in terms of this, I mean, we, we know... Uh, I mean, I, I'll just start. I'm, I'm going to pick Max for stopping, uh, my wild card for this weekend to, to have a chance, uh, to win or do something of, of value would be, um, would be Carlos signs because Carlos signs has had six starts. Um, this of course I'm utilizing, uh, Utilizing recent reference here. Carlos Sainz has ran the U.S. Grand Prix at Coda six times, and he's finished in the top 10 every time. So um, they has the second best car. They need performance. Can Carlos Sainz go and win one there? That's who I'm thinking. So I'll go with uh, Max Verstappen and uh, Carlos Sainz as my two choices. How about you, Josh? Yeah, I will also go with Max Verstappen to no one's surprise. Uh, start the victory tour. After you know clinching the Formula One title this year in Japan, now come to America and start the party. So uh, we'll see likely uh, you know domination again this weekend by Verstappen, which leads us uh, to you know wild card for me. You know, I'm gonna go with uh, the uh, honorary American in uh, Daniel Ricciardo. Um, he did well in this race uh, relatively last. Uh, last year and you know got to drive the number three car of course last year in this uh but you know he um ran uh top five uh two races ago um in singapore you know finished one point outside the points in japan um you know last year finished fifth in uh the united states grand prix uh so you know maybe maybe he can make something of it and finish in the points uh, this time, try to, you know, his last experience in a McLaren car and, you know, possibly, um, at least for the time being, possibly his last uh, U.S. Grand Prix um, as he's leaving McLaren and doesn't have a ride lined up. So, 
you know, see what he can do. Um, you know, uh, it's probably going to depend on how his teammate does uh, as well. You know, in uh, practice, if you know both McLarens have speed, it's probably going to bode well for both of those drivers. We'll see. Um, but you know, other than Verstappen, you know, gotta gotta see how Ferrari does this weekend. Um, you know, they've obviously, you know, we talked about they've had opportunities. Leclerc had an opportunity to finish uh, second and then lost it to uh, Sergio Perez. You know, can he um, have better racecraft at the end uh, if he's under pressure from another driver, uh, especially, you know, trying to finish in the, uh, the podium um, or something like that. Um, Lewis Hamilton, Mercedes, um, you know, they're trying to, uh, you know, finish the year out strong. Um you know, they're currently, you know, behind his teammate in points, behind Carlos Sainz uh, in points. Uh, so, you know, um, can Lewis at least make something uh, out of this weekend? Um, you know, he's been, uh, you know, finishing relatively okay, you know, the last couple of races, not not in the podium, hasn't been in the podium uh, since, um, you know, a while now. Um, I'm trying to see the points or the race that he got a, the last time he was in, in the podium um i don't know the flag though of this country that he i'm finished. trying to go yeah. and look it up just give me a second here you yeah keep going all right i'll add in my but parts here in yeah yeah but lewis you know um and and george russell they you know they ran pretty well at uh miami um back in may um side but you know finished five fifth and sixth uh so you know if they can finish in the points again in America, they, you know, yeah, that would be interesting to see if they can complete, I guess, getting points on both ends of, you know, the both parts of the American uh, part of Formula One schedule. So um, that's, you know, kind of what I'm interested in, you know, this weekend. Um, well, also, I think we should probably bring up Alpine as well. They've uh, ran, you know, relatively well at last race in uh, Japan. They had speed. Uh, Espan finished fourth and then Fernando finished in seventh. So, uh, can they kind of bring that momentum here to the United States, you know, as we get ready to close out the season? So, uh, that's, you know, that's what I'm looking out for this weekend in terms of Formula One. Um, uh, should be an interesting weekend with a lot of, and for Lewis, that's, uh, Hungary where he finished last time on the podium. So, uh, it's been a while for Lewis, but, um, should be an interesting weekend. Yeah, I think this is the better of the U.S. races. Uh, you know, between Miami and Texas, and we're gonna have Las Vegas next year. So, uh, yeah, I think uh, you know this one still is going to be the the race to to go to uh, to watch. Uh, and you know, with all all the atmosphere, the party, and everything, this I think is got the you know most value uh, compared to Las Vegas and Miami. So, uh, should be an interesting weekend for sure here in Formula One. Yeah, that's. I mean, the they're all good points there, man. I, the Mercedes are bringing an upgrade here, last upgrade of the year, supposedly more geared towards 2023. So maybe it's a sign. We'll see what happens if they have good pace. It's a rough racetrack. So uh, run of the rougher tracks they get to race on all year. You know, only permanent circuit they race here in the in North in in the U.S. Of course, they run in Canada too. So. No. Um, the next three races are in the Americas. Uh, you have the U.S. Grand Prix, then you have Mexico next week, and then Brazil. So uh, all three um, uh, races in the uh, Americas or South America. Yeah, in South America. Yeah. So can Alpine go and add to their gap? 
in regards to their lead over McLaren. Um, Danny Rick, knowing he's going to be free to kind of chill for a year, though trying to be fit with the thought that he might be able to get back on the grid. Um, will he be loose? Um, what will McLaren bring to the table? Um, you know, the Alpine, of course, has announced Pierre Gasly to make an all-French lineup. How will that affect the uh, Alpha Tori outfit, knowing that they just signed Nick DeVries? Uh, you have McLaren also. I think they're going to have Alex Pillow running FP1 this weekend. And, um, you know, they're going to have Pato Award uh, at uh, Brazil or Abu Dhabi or something like that. So things to look at. For IndyCar guys, they're be running FP1s. There's going to be different people here, uh, a couple of Grand Prix running FP1s uh, here to run out the end of the season for the young drivers. I think they'll also run uh, alternative uh, tire compounds because they weren't able to do it at Suzuka. So that's something you look at as well. Um, also, when it comes to other teams on the grid, like Haas, of course, what are they going to bring to the table being the U.S. Grand Prix? They're one of the only teams that has an opening. Williams has got an opening now. Those are the only two teams right now that theoretically have one. Logan Sargent's going to make his FP1 debut uh, in a Williams this weekend. Would venture to say that he is the most likely choice to be their um, second driver next year, but to be determined. And Haas, it looks like uh, Nico Hulkenberg is going to get another crack at uh, at it and uh, be teammates with Kevin Magnuson to lead an all-veteran lineup there at uh, at the Haas. But we'll see about that, and we'll talk about it next week. Um, Josh, uh, your uh, George on the F1 on the Grid Talk podcast is saying you should go and come on, make your debut there if you're available during the weekend. Um, I know I won't be available on Saturday now. I just remembered I had bowling on Saturday, um, but I think I'm going to angle to work Sunday, Sunday's post-race show, and then uh, do the preview on Monday for the Mexican Grand Prix. But uh, we'll talk about it offline in regards to that and see if you can go and make your grid talk debut there. Yeah, but I'll just see about the- that. Yeah, yeah, but we'll talk about it later. Yeah, but uh, I guess uh, it's your time to shine, Sim Segment. Well, you said you were racing uh, on Monday. You said you had done some racing during the weekend, so let us know what you were doing. And and also, we got the Open Wheels 500 has posted something in regards to this year's event, too. Yeah, well, I mean, this weekend or this past weekend, I did uh, real racing. Uh, went go-kart racing uh, at K1 Speed in Orlando. Um, you know, ran, ran pretty well. I mean, I was uh, in a field of slow people. Um, you know, just people trying to enjoy their Saturday nights and, you know, I was, uh, sitting at home and I was kind of bored. I was like, you know, I need to do something. And I was just like, Oh, I'll drive an hour to Orlando, just go race, uh, go-karts. So I went and did that and, uh, I ran first place in both, uh, both races. Um, I mean, by a wide margin, the first race was, um, just had a lot of incidents, I guess. And so I couldn't really find any time or, you know, find, find a good rhythm to get into, to, um, uh, post a good lap. So I think the first race I was only faster, maybe by like a couple of tenths or even maybe a second or something. But I mean, it was definitely slower than, uh, you know, my time previously. And then I had, I had another race that I did after that. And that time I, set my i guess new personal best at this racetrack uh just 21 
or 26 seconds and uh, uh, 108. Uh, so, so yeah, 26.1. And my previous uh, best was, I think, a 26.7 or 26.6 on this racetrack in K1 speed in Orlando. So beat it by five tenths. Uh, that race, I started up front because um, they, they rank you or they put you uh, in the order of your, I guess, your your skill uh, score, uh, you know, based on you know, how many points you accumulated uh, every time you visit and race there. So um, I started on, I guess, pole <laughs> on there. So had a lot of racetrack to work with and set a, a good lap. Uh, of course, have to navigate traffic. People were really slow and, you know, everything. I mean, my my best lap, I said, was a 26.108. And let me pull this up here in my results sheet for my email here. Uh, or, yeah, real quick, K1 speed. My results from Orlando on uh, October 15th. So my best time was on my second race, 26, 105, 105, not 108. And the worst time was a 45, six. So, right. It was like an Arca race. Yeah. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. And like, I'm just, you know, flying around there and trying to navigate traffic. People are slow. You know, some, somebody's like running, like this guy running a 45, six as his best lap average of 48, six. Um, so, you know, he's going dogs, uh, dog shit slow and then another guy that maybe is a little bit more competent is coming, but I'm faster than both of them. And so I'm basically having to pull out, like, um, basically like having to like, you know, do like, like I, it's like you're pulling up to them in formula one or IndyCar on the road course and you have to do a switchback maneuver to get, you know, from one end to the other to get around them. Um, like, you know, going from like high to low or low to high in the corner. I have I was having to do that to get around people and just having to like zip through. And, it, you know, it's almost like, you know, how you're on the freeway and then there's that one guy that like decides to thread the needle on, on like everybody. And he's like, just like zipping through traffic and, you know, he's probably going to cause an accident that that's kind of, I'm not gonna say I was trying to cause an accident, of course, obviously, but um, that's how fast I was in comparison to everybody else is I was just trying to, whenever I was in traffic, I was just trying to get through everybody. And that's, that's how I was. Um, and you know, hopefully, hopefully, you know, the moves that I made, I mean, there's a couple times it's like, man, I really cut it close there. Cause I was just seeing a gap there and just trying to, you know, stuff it in there, I guess, and make, make it on the other end as other people are, you know, um, driving slower and I was trying to do it. So, you know, hopefully nobody was, um, too angry or anything like that because obviously you know when you're going way faster and then or you're slower and then someone just like zips right on by you you know catches you by surprise and catches you off guard and you're just like oh what the hell just happened there um but you know it was still still pretty fun uh you know definitely definitely uh got a i mean not a workout but you know you definitely um get a little bit of activity i guess uh, i mean i i measured my uh physical activity on my apple watch and you know heart rate heart rate was definitely up and measured i guess how many calories and it was only like 10 minute session i think or 15 minute session so it wasn't like a whole lot uh in that department but you know definitely um you know and every time every time they would slow down the cars to you know get somebody righted straight or um you know uh fix you know fix something um you know they temporarily you know basically slow slow them down so you're basically like in a virtual safety car um there and i uh you know i could you know i definitely had to catch my breath for just for a second just because you know that's how fast i was going but um yeah definitely need to go when there's you know either nobody there or i guess like i mean they have race leagues on sunday nights i think or other nights or just trying to find a group to go with that you know knows what they're doing so 
um, make it a little bit more competitive, I guess, but, um, it is what it is, but, you know, uh, had to get it out of my system, I guess, you know, they're, um, haven't been there since June. So, you know, I, um, was getting pretty bored on Saturday watching college football and, uh, you know, Gators had lost, uh, and everything and, uh, Alabama lost to, uh, Tennessee in the middle of that. So, um, had to go and, uh, decide to, um, be a little bit more productive with my time and go use, uh, that with go-karting. So, uh, money well spent in my opinion. So, um, you know, hopefully I can do it a little bit more often. And actually, um, there's another track there called Orlando Kart Center, which is outdoors. They use gas-powered go-karts, uh, a little bit more room to pass and everything. Uh, K1 Speeds indoors and electric go-karts, polished floor, uh, concrete floor, but, uh, track is a lot more narrower and everything. So, uh, got to try out the outdoor place, uh, but I have to go, uh, a little bit earlier in the day when, you know, they're still open. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's my, I guess for the sim segment, I guess, um, I mean, I didn't really do anything on iRacing, uh, and you know, every, every now and then you had to do real racing, I guess, or at least uh, go-kart racing in some, some shape or form. So did that and everything. Um, you did mention open wheels 500. That announcement is, is that the signups have closed. Uh, but actually, um, I did not sign up for it. Uh, I forgot, uh, but that's okay. Um, you know, uh, obviously I'm, I'm satisfied with, uh, what I did in the Annapolis 500 on iRacing earlier this year. And, uh, you know, I don't feel not that I don't want to do it. Yeah, exactly. Not that I don't want to do it, but you know, I don't feel the urge, I guess, to want to sign up for it or, you know, put in the time to sign up for it. Um, you know, trying to focus on some other things right now. So, um, cause obviously it does take a lot of dedication in this one for real. Like you need to practice and be on your game, uh, just for qualifying and have a good setup and, uh, everything. And, you know, from my experience last time, um, it's probably better to team up with somebody or a group of other people rather than to do it on your own. Um, I mean, could do it on my own again, but you know, to, I guess, get the most out of it and to, have a good chance of success of actually making it into the field, you know, got to partner with somebody and, uh, just, you know, haven't really gone too much into that. So, um, there's always next year, whenever they have it again, and sure there's going to be other events. And of course there'll be the real Indianapolis 500 on high racing next May. So, uh, there's that opportunity there as well. So, um, you know, uh, hope, hopefully this one's a good one and good luck to everybody trying to make it into the show. Obviously we did it, two years ago or I did it two years ago and failed, but you know, that's part of the experience and, um, you know, sure. Uh, next year, whenever they decide to hold it, you know, be glad to do it. And, you know, hopefully I can, um, guarantee that I can dedicate more, um, more time to it. That's, you know, just what it's all about is just knowing, um, if you're going to have the time to, uh, put in the effort for something like that. And that's, uh, maybe why I didn't prioritize siding because I wasn't sure how much time I'd have, uh, available this year to do it. So, but that's all right. You know, you, uh, you take the ones that you can, uh, race in and, and enjoy that. So, um, that's how it goes. So, uh, yeah, I mean, of course that ends the SIG, uh, sim segment. And of course you can watch the sim races when I do it. You can go on Twitch TV slash Sailor 2 on iRacing and watch my videos there when I, uh, stream live and go on iRacing, you know, IndyCar, NASCAR, uh, road racing of different, classes different types you know that's what i'm into don't really do too much on dirt but um it's there i guess if i want to do it um but most of the time in the indy car and the nascar and 
or some type some type of road racing. So um yeah, you can go in there, follow and watch my stuff. And of course, uh we uh have our YouTube page. Um as always, Scripture Podcast YouTube. You can go there and see our uh show and see us in video form and watch it and listen to it. Uh if you uh so please please subscribe, like our videos and uh comment if you want to interact or anything like that. And of course Follow me on Twitter and, uh, you know, see my Twitter page and all my thoughts and everything uh, at, uh, yeah, at JP Huffine on Twitter, Twitter twitter.com slash at JP Huffine. So go there and uh, watch or see all my tweets and all the things I'm interested in racing, um, you know, personal finance, uh, football, uh, all all the things, technology, all the things I'm interested in, engineering, uh, my career, all the things that I do and, and everything like that. So, yeah, go in there and follow me. So, uh, yeah, leave it to you, Phil, to uh, do the rest of the close. Absolutely, man. And thank you, as always, for all your contributions and being the great sidekick that you are and great friend. Um, Clark Schmidt's given up two home runs here in the bottom of the sixth. So now the Houston assholes are up three to one after um, Jamison Talion pitched a pretty good game. We got out of a jam the last inning, but Clark Schmidt um, sucks. So, okay. Uh, you can find me at Philip G. Matthew on Twitter. You can find at Gripsterpod on Twitter, as Josh mentioned. You can find the Gripster Podcast on YouTube. And uh, we post the episodes as long as there's no major issues with um, uh, recording. Uh, we end up getting the episodes out there. Josh does that. And um, we've been posting for the NBC and the playoffs and all that for uh, for their races and all. And with the next few races, we'll be at Homestead this weekend and then Martinsville and Phoenix to end the year. Uh, watch that on NBC. Um, you can find the Gripster podcast basically anywhere you can find podcasts, Apple, Amazon, Spotify, Podbean, Pandora, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, TuneIn, Verbal, uh, probably other places that I'm forgetting. But those are the ones that I have listed. Um, I was retweeting all this stuff, so I don't know where the where I buried our episode or last episode. But um, that is that. You'll uh, come back next week for episode 141 of the Gripster podcast. We'll talk about all the NASCAR happenings. Uh, truck series will have determined their final four at that point on Saturday afternoon. Uh, Cup and Xfinity will have one race to go in Martinsville. We'll preview that. We'll get into the U.S. Grand Prix, what happened there, and then leading into Mexico for the Mexican Grand Prix. The roundup, as I mentioned earlier, MotoGP, Moto2, WRC, World Superbike, Supercars, World Supercross. We'll do NFL talk. We'll get some baseball in there. We'll see if the ALCS is still going on by that point. Um, Formula and Grand Prix in Mexico, preview and picks. We'll preview and pick. Preview, pick, make picks for Cup and Xfinity at Martinsville, and who advances to the final four if they haven't already, you know, advanced by winning. Um, so we'll get into all that. We thank you for listening to Grip Strip Podcast. Uh, for Josh, I'm Phil, and thanks to Joe earlier in the week for um, making, a, making an appearance. And um, for that, take care. God bless. Be nice to each other. Let's take care of each other. We're going through a tough time in general in our society in many ways. Um, it's it's better and easier to be nice than to be evil. And um, even when, you know, whether you say certain things or say them in a certain way, we're not trying to be evil. 
Uh, just you know it's the real it's like feelings that come out here Um, life's too damn short to be angry and life's too damn short to be going and doing effed up stuff and there's too many people are doing effed up stuff and trying to do effed up things and it's uh, we need to reset in that sense Uh, but that's for another day and i guess for another podcast so for josh i'm phil take care god bless goodbye